0: So there's a phrase that's been floating around for some time now, and, and the phrase that I have in mind is, church hurt. Church hurt is what happens when a person experiences emotional, psychological, or spiritual pain within a church community or because of a church community. Uh, it can be the result of unhealthy conflict, judgment, mistreatment, or even abuse within a church setting. Now, I've got some church hurt, and there's a good chance that either you or someone you know has experienced church hurt as well. And Why is that? Well, I would argue that it's the result of what my guest, Todd Hunter, calls bad religion. It's the kind of religion that Jesus did not intend. And so in this episode, Todd Hunter and I discuss bad religion, we discuss good religion, and we talk about what it means to be the church that God has called us to be. I'm Marcus Watson, and in partnership with the Church Leadership Institute, this is episode 196 of Spiritual Life and Leadership. Hey, everyone. I'm here with Todd Hunter. Uh, Todd leads Churches for the Sake of Others, uh, a diocese of the Anglican Church in North America, and is also the author of What Jesus Intended, Finding True Faith in the Rubble of Bad Religion. Hi, Todd. How are
1: you? Hey, Marcus. I'm, I'm grateful that you would have me with your audience. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad that you're here. Um, why don't you just uh, briefly kind of tell us what you do?
1: Yeah, so uh, being a bishop— means that I oversee churches and clergy um, my diocese is a little odd in that we are nationwide which mm. you know normally dioceses have a specific geography right but because we started out as a church planning movement we've ended up with churches all over America I'm, I'm sure someday you know they'll all be in something more geographic but for now yeah. I, I have this very unique diocese
0: that's neat that's neat
1: and interestingly um, Brian Wallace
0: is sort of a What's his role or position? Well, in in
1: Anglicanism, there's a fancy name... A suffragan bishop, which people joke that means he suffers under me, <laughs> but actually, it's a, a more easy term. Would be he's an assisting bishop. And okay, a great, great friend and a great guy.
0: Yeah, great guy. And uh, and uh, just for our listeners, uh, I, I had him on the podcast uh, about a year and a half ago or so, maybe two years ago, uh, and great episode uh, titled uh, "A Crisis of Adult Discipleship." It's episode one twenty six and one of my most downloaded episodes. So I just want to encourage people to go uh, listen to that as well. Um I got one uh kind of get to know you question, uh Todd, yeah. and that is when do you feel truly alive?
1: Mm, I think I feel most truly alive when I know my God-given gifts are being used for the sake of others.
0: Mm. Say a little bit more. What does that what does that mean for you?
1: Um you know, it could be s- as simple as teaching, or just before mm-hmm. we got on the air, I uh got an email from somebody who'd Re- just began my book and was talking about how she had, um, is processing some church hurts and uh, how much just the, the introduction of the book had meant to her. Yeah. So when I know that my life and my work and the gifts that God has given me is actually being useful to others, I think yeah. is maybe when I feel most alive. At a, at a lesser moment, Or, I mean, a a lesser idea might be exercising, or um, in my old age, I'm 67 in my kind of old age retirement, um, I'm going to get back to playing piano. Those sorts of things make me feel alive in a different way. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's great. That's great. Well, I'm uh, excited to talk about your book, Um, What Jesus Intended. Again, the subtitle is Finding True Faith in the Rubble of Bad Religion. And so, uh, maybe just to kind of start the conversation here um mm-hmm. bad religion um maybe something that a lot of us have experienced i have <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and uh and so i i wonder uh, how do you think about bad religion and how maybe how have you experienced or where do you see it in the, uh, today
1: yeah so uh, I don't mean the punk band from L.A. in the right. 90s. <laughs> so for me, bad religion right. is just a phrase for all the ways in which the church gets things wrong and, and harms people. Um, um, so whether that's you know sexual scandals or financial scandals or the stuff that's um, not intended but yeah. nevertheless uh, causes hurt, I think the Christian leaders Marcus who listen to your podcast I think we could all agree that um we just I don't I don't know anybody who doesn't have a friend or a family member who is hurt by the church and no longer going or deconstructing their faith because of a church hurt or whatever it just seems everywhere yeah. and it's really that phenomenon that I'm trying to name
0: right right and um and have you what, I mean, how? If I may ask, how have you experienced yeah. it? What What is your?
1: Uh, yes, I tell some uh, stories, uh, some honest stories, uh, in the book about it. Um, I mean, what comes to mind right now is um, seeing people use positions of power in sort of bullying or mm-hmm. manipulative ways. Or, I mean, I'm a true blue charismatic and always will be, but seeing. You know, in charismatic circles or Pentecostal circles, you know, you'll hear the phrase, the things of the spirit, and seeing them be abused. Those yeah. would be the kinds of things that yeah, yeah. Um, that come to my mind right this moment. But I do tell some more concrete stories in the yeah. book.
0: Um, I mean, when you, when you really think about it, I feel like bad religion has been a part of Christianity since yes. maybe the very beginning. Um, Absolutely. It's almost a miracle— that uh we can still get some good religion i mean I'll put that in quotes <laughs> yeah <laughs> some good religion
1: or healthy or something or yeah. healthy
0: yeah right yeah. healthy spirituality healthy yeah. true relationship with god and uh and living out the uh, the 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 example of jesus um so uh, maybe one question is i mean how do we how have how has that happened? Do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, that's maybe a historical question, but how is it that we're still here after all of this bad religion for two thousand or maybe uh eight nineteen nineteen uh one thousand nine hundred and fifty years yeah. or something?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I just yesterday was listening to, you know, the the little program Pray as you go. Oh yeah, and, me too. And it was the scripture on um James and John wanting to mm-hmm. call down fire from heaven. Mm-hmm. Well, that's about as bad religion as you can possibly get. It's true. Like, that's Lord, true. do you want me to smoke these Samaritan towns who, yeah. who, who who, didn't greet you the way we think they should have great, greeted yeah. you? Yeah. And Jesus rebukes them, Yeah. the text says, but he doesn't throw them out of his friendship. Mm. So now imagine the other disciples who heard that mm-hmm. saying, oh, well, can we walk with Jesus anymore? Because if we do we're being complicit with James and John who are pretty far off here. Or, hey, we're hearing rumors about Judas that he may not be everything he says he is. Or, you know, we all know that Peter denied Jesus. So, man, you know, there's, to your point, Marcus, man, there's some bad religion even about Jesus. And that's that's without getting to Paul's letters in the New Testament, most of which we wouldn't have if it weren't for problems Right. Uh, of one kind or another in the church,
0: yeah, right. Um, and so and so here we are, and we're we're still surrounded by that kind of bad religion. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we? So, and this gets uh, maybe to the to the heart of of what your book is about, and maybe unpack then how how do we lean into good religion, healthy religion, yeah. faithful religion?
1: Well, the big point I'm trying to make in my book is that if we're going to be successful at what you're asking, I think we have to quit trying to judge Jesus through the lens of the church Mm. and try to think of what should church look like through the aims of Jesus, through the person and work of Jesus. So my book really started with, after years and years of ruminating on an idea I first heard from Tom Wright probably 20 years ago Mm. in his book, uh, Jesus and the Victory of God, where there's a section and he talks about the aims of Jesus. Mm. And I remember reading that and going, what the heck is Tom talking about? <laughs> aims, plural. I mean, didn't mm. Jesus simply come to die so that we can go to heaven when we die? And of course, he did do that. Yeah. But Tom's whole point was there's a whole lot more going on here. Mm-hmm. And when you start looking at the whole lot more of God's intentions through Christ— and then the aims of Jesus to express his Father fully, well, you start seeing all the colors and contours of good religion and healing mm-hmm. and repair and wholeness and bringing creation back to what it was meant to be before the fall. And mm-hmm. so, what I'm really trying to do is out of sympathy and compassion. For those, you know, we see them in studies as nuns and duns and skeptics in the D-Church, yeah, yeah. you know, the kind of things that Pew and Gallup and Lily yeah. and Barna and others, the way they mm-hmm. study these things. I'm simply trying to gain a fresh hearing for Jesus mm. through this specific means of what were Jesus' aims? What did he think yeah. was good? Yeah. Um, to what was he conscious? What did he think the Father was doing in and through him? Mm-hmm. In what way was he himself the healer of bad religion? Mm-hmm. Right Saying yeah. to the Pharisees and Sadducees, Woe to you,
0: yeah
1: you're practicing bad religion, yeah and but then having to say, but don't misunderstand me, I've not called to set aside Torah the law right. I've called I've come to fulfill it yeah so that we see in Jesus everything that God intended in humanity, Israel, and the church yeah. and that's why the burden of my book is saying, can we make our way back to Jesus to th- to think our way through this really hard time
0: right. yeah and how do we how do we begin to make our way back to jesus what what would you say
1: um for me the text is always super important mm-hmm. and that might sound cliche but mm-hmm. um i actually think for a lot of people just like maybe saying i'm going to take 6 months or a year and i'm just going to m- marinate my soul and heart and mind in the gospels yeah and mm-hmm. just you know See Jesus again afresh. And then, you know, any and all of the classic spiritual disciplines would be good. And this is mm. counterintuitive. If you can't do church, then at least find a group of people mm. who have your similar interests. And this is yeah. one of the stories I tell in the book. My wife's Debbie. And we had, I forget now because it's been so many years ago, but like a two-year period, it feels like, where we were sort of de churched. Mm. Um, and I was nationally known Christian leader. Uh-huh. And um but we had a small group,
0: yeah.
1: um, a contemplative small group yeah. that we went to every Thursday, and so mm-hmm. we were—you might say—kind of in a house church yeah. for a couple of years. So it was yeah. focused on, um, you know, the more contemplative forms of Christianity. Mm-hmm. So th- things like that. You know, this yeah. is all so based on someone's temperament and history and personalities. But I would say there are crutches you can find, or a wheelchair, mm-hmm. or something. You know, yeah. that can help you. Um, make your way, uh, back to Jesus.
0: Yeah. So some of these, uh, things that you just mentioned are sort of individual personal, uh, mm-hmm. things that we can do. Uh, and then I imagine there are communal community-based, uh, practices and, or, yeah. or ways of being. And, and then what you described just now, um, being de-churched, and again, I'm putting that in air quotes. Yeah. even though you were actually in a kind of a church. Uh, That's right, a little community. Yeah, the, I think I think, and and this is uh, maybe uh, anyway. This is what, what comes to mind for me. I think some of the bad religion uh, is is the assumption that church has to look the way it it has typically yeah. traditionally looked for well mm-hmm. for a long time, uh, hundreds yes. of years. You know. Yes. Um, and so to what extent, um do we need to maybe experiment or explore new forms of church?
1: Yeah. Well, uh, my diocese has recently launched an initiative just right like that that we're calling missional innovation. Um, we're really sort of copying something from the Church of England that's been going mm-hmm. on for, I don't know, it feels like 10 or 15 years that over there they call fresh expressions. Mm-hmm. And so we're try- we're actively trying to find ways of creating missional communities or monastic communities, or we just launched a church in a prison. Hmm. Wow. Um, So it's not just like a prison ministry, it's actually a church. Wow. uh, In the prison. Um, So yes, I'm completely for creative, innovative ways of of Christians being together. I don't think kind of standard church is going to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's even a reasonable argument to say that it should. Mm -hmm. I think it just means that we should always be open to questioning and morphing. And, and, and I don't mean by that, like um, some sort of slippery compromise or something for me, Marcus, the, like the intellectual framework for that is the person and work of Jesus, who Jesus always met people and started on their terms, not on his own. So Zacchaeus up a tree, the woman at the well, um, the rich young ruler, Nicodemus, uh, Levi at his house, on and on and on, Jesus always started where people were. And so that sort of contextualization or hospitality is for me what should drive possible innovation so that we can meet communities, whether that means a city or a demographic, or when I go into prison with this church, Mm -hmm. um, I can just tell you that ministering to prisoners is a lot different than yeah. when I go to a middle-class church in some mm-hmm. city in America. Mm-hmm. So that's all I mean when I'm standing with a prisoner, I'm starting on his terms, yeah. not on my own.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, and, and I appreciate you saying, right. That, um, yeah. So, well, that we, we start um, where people are and some, and some people traditional, forms of church really resonates with them and that's a Uh starting place for them and so i think you're right it's not going anywhere um uh, i do think that um there is an invitation to certainly be more open to all kinds of forms of Mm -hmm. you know uh, of communities uh communities of faith uh, churches uh, whatever whatever that looks like um and uh and I'll be honest, sometimes I feel like, man, I I, I would love to just sort of be part of a, a little house community. Yeah. <laughs> <You know>?
1: uh-huh. <laughs> but then something. if you talk to somebody who's been in house churches uh-huh. for 20 years, they'll tell you, ah, it's not perfect. Right?
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Which
1: is which is the truth. I don't think there's any like yeah. perfect model. Yeah, yeah. But my I guess my point in saying that is mm-hmm. that um <sighs> that there's something about listening, mm. but without compromise. Like, mm. you know, Jesus never compromised his kingdom message or who he was as a person, but he did. He could not have criticized the religious leaders if he wasn't yeah. listening to them. Yeah. And he knew what the zealots thought. Right. He knew what the Herodians thought, the The Qumran sect, the quietest mm. and of his day. He knew what they thought and was happy to engage with them again mm-hmm. on their terms But even in saying that, uh, there was a sort of a super frame over that, and that was Jesus knew what he was called to earth to do. So for me, that boils down to the church listening, especially to victims, Mm. for people who are saying, we don't get it, or this is not edifying to us. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we just listen. Yeah. Again, it doesn't mean then. Oh, therefore we give up on God, Jesus, Christianity, the Bible, yeah. whatever. Right. It just means we're open-hearted listeners. Yeah. Um. Because that's the kind of intelligence we need. I think to mm-hmm. reshape churches into what um another colleague of mine, Scott McNight, mm-hmm. you know, wrote about in his book Tove. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that we can start moving towards goodness, and yes. sometimes we need to have the perspective of victims to know what goodness would look like.
0: Yeah. That's, that's a, that's great. Um, yeah. The, the perspective of victims um, and maybe the perspective of the marginalized. Um, and maybe part of uh, bad religion is um, the perception from those outside the church that, we think we know it all. Um, and yeah. I think many of us do think we know it all. <laughs> you know we've got all the answers. and if you would just listen to us and do what we tell you to do, then your life could be as great as ours is if yeah. if, if it's indeed great. Um, um, that that, however, you know, that doesn't feel to me like the way of Jesus, um, telling people what to do. so maybe maybe reflect, if you don't mind a little bit on, how Jesus engaged people who are uh, victims and marginalized and outsiders and the way in comparison and contrast perhaps to how at least, at least we're perceived to engage with those who are victims and marginalized and, and what's the invitation there for us then? And, and how do we learn to become more of the kind of, uh, well, people like Jesus is uh, in that Yeah. Regard.
1: Okay. Well, let's start with that story. We were both uh, hearing from, yeah. uh, You go yesterday. Mm -hmm. I mean, the text says Jesus rebuked them. Yeah. So Jesus was um, not unaware that there were boundaries to his kingdom work Mm -hmm. and that calling fire down on cities (laughs) did not cohere or align Mm -hmm. with his work. Mm -hmm. And so, rebuked just kind of means like he sternly corrected them. You know, rebuke is kind of a bad word. Um, But he, like, sternly or clearly corrected them that no that, that's not what we're doing here or think of i mentioned the Qumran sect they again they were the quietest and pietists of jesus days mm-hmm. and they they thought that to be truly faithfully israel meant you had to have nothing to do with the world and mm-hmm. so they went out and lived in these the caves of what we now call the the caves of the Qumran. Mm-hmm. and some of your listeners will have, will go hey i've heard that term uh-huh. it's because where the dead sea scrolls were found well again jesus he he would have been very patient and loving with somebody like that but wouldn't have said oh yeah yeah we can do that because it would have then disabled him from touching lepers mm. raising the dead healing the sick mm. like he had to be proximate to broken humanity he mm. couldn't actually become in a scene mm. and this i think is the mm. pattern for the church that christianity has an unavoidable content to it mm. meaning the world has a one true creator God. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what we believe. And that's in a sense content. Yep. Um, And that, um, and that God has most fully revealed himself in his son, Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the life, you know, the birth, life, teaching miracles, um, death, resurrection, ascension of Jesus, which we would say, You know, this is what we believe, and that's unavoidably content. Mm -hmm. Um, So there certainly is content that we can't run from. I think what's at play with good and bad religion is how do we engage with these particular unique Christian claims? How do we engage with others Hmm. regarding that? Because as, as you know, a big part of what's in the air today is you can't really make those particular Christian claims because that's somehow abusive to Hindus or Buddhists or Muslims or whatever. And so it's a, it's a tricky day, but I don't think um, we can in a sense run from or hide the claims because Mm -hmm. every religion believes that they are making truthful claims about reality. Mm -hmm. There's no self-respecting religion that would say, Oh, religions are all the same. No one believes that. Yeah, I mean, I don't, right. that's a statement in our society, but no one believes that's true. Right, right. Not if they stop to think about it for a half second. Right. Um, you know, the Islamic take on the world, they believe they're giving the true take on the world, mm-hmm. and as do Christians and others. And mm-hmm. so that's unavoidable. Um, what I think is avoidable mm-hmm. is demanding the privileged position we once had in society. Yeah. And what's avoidable is that attitude you talked about, that we know everything, yeah. and there's nothing else for us to learn,, yeah. and therefore, let us just tell you, because that's a kind of a hubris that was attached to a Christendom that is gone mm-hmm. and is never coming back, yeah, yeah, so now we need to learn as people who are marginalized in society, um, how do we make these truth claims, like I really do think Jesus rose from the dead, I really do think. Mm-hmm he's the world's one true lord mm-hmm. but i have to engage with real people about that like that's just not an intellectual concept
0: yeah yeah um, and the the starting point there then is not saying perhaps at least in, uh, this is what i think uh, you don't start by saying hey uh, jesus jesus is the incarnation of god and uh, he died and rose again and here are the here are the things you need to believe um I think it goes back to listening, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to uh, engage in in conversation. Maybe, you know, thinking about the way of Jesus, who engaged in a conversation with a woman at the well. He also told yes. her some things, yes. <laughs> you know. He said, here's some things that are true. I also mm-hmm. know some things about you, you know. And, mm-hmm. uh, um um. Uh, but there was a but there was even a request from him you know sometimes we go saying here's what we have to offer let us give you what we have rather than saying what can we receive from you jesus yes. said okay, can i have some of that water please mm-hmm. um and it's uh it's a mutual um I- interaction um that i think stirs up um uh, it 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 t- it brings walls down rather than erects them you know um yeah yeah
1: yeah i just think that's not a Yes, I agree. Um, mm-hmm. It's just not a panacea or um, like a, a totality because I I I can't I can't picture this happening. Jesus is standing around with his disciples, and one of them says to him, "Hey, Lord, um, you know the zealots; those are the people who wanted to sharpen their swords and pray their whole. They were basically religious terrorists." Yeah and wanted to kill Samaritans and Romans and blah, 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 and Mm -hmm. thought that that was the way God was going to finally get his way done on the earth. I can't hear one of his disciples saying to Jesus, well, Jesus, the Herodians in my neighborhood, they're all like really good people. and Mm -hmm. like Can't we just have a conversation about the Mm -hmm. Herodians? Mm -hmm. I mean, sorry, the Zealots. Maybe they're on to something. Maybe we're being wussies, and we should actually be more combative. And now to bring up that terrible word that you start hearing, echoes here of Christian, na- forms of Christian yeah, nationalism. Right, right. And I can't hear Jesus going, oh yeah, yeah. Like let's have a conversation with them in the sense that that worldview has any part in the kingdom that I'm announcing and demonstrating, embodying. Now, can mm-hmm. I talk to them as people? Can mm-hmm. I start with where they are? Can I hear their worldview? Mm-hmm. Yes. But that, that doesn't, that wouldn't have never removed Jesus yeah. From things like, I only do what I see my father doing. I yeah. only say what I yeah. hear him saying. Yeah. The yeah. son didn't come to do his own thing, but only the will of the father. So yes, I can think we we can have these kind of conversations. Mm-hmm. It should, but they come from a like a previously existing um, groundedness yeah. um, in in the person and work of Christ. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, and so and so maybe what you're saying is there's different ways to approach different people. So a, a person who is voiceless mm-hmm. in society needs to be listened to a person yeah. who has maybe too much voice uh, and uh, is somewhat uh, violent even about it, whether mm. physically violent or verbally violent or whatever it might yeah. be um, needs to be engaged differently. Um,
1: yeah. You're, I think that I used to teach I, one of my former jobs, I was president of alpha USA hmm. and I used to go around America teaching on evangelism and alpha and alpha is built on listening. Hmm. Mm alpha is built on a question what do you think and believe about what you just heard so they'll like hear a talk on who's jesus and then they're asked what do you think or feel about it one of the greatest treasures of my life was that dallas willard was a key mentor of mine Mm -hmm. most of your listeners will know who dallas is Mm -hmm. and when he used to talk about what we're talking about here marcus he had like a set of questions that i thought was genius Mm -hmm. when he was in one of these conversations where you don't know where to begin he would say to people um in order to really listen to them, if it were up to you, would you like there to be a god? Hmm. That's interesting. Yes, of course, because then yeah. it gets to things like motivations and desires, and you're going to hear something about background, like hmm. H.E. Double Toothpicks. No, because oh, right. <laughs> my uncle was a pastor, and you know he right. did blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, right. So you're going to start hearing people's stories, and then Dallas's follow-up question always was if somebody said, well, yes, I I guess I would like there to be, the world would have a true God, Mm -hmm. then Dallas would say, well, then would you like that God to fully express God's self? Mm -hmm. And then that gets it, you know, now you start getting to the teachings of Jesus and um, that sort of thing that, that God was expressing himself in Christ. So I only say those two things to illustrate that, yes, there are so many ways that we can have honest conversations with somebody that's simultaneously grounded in where they are yeah. but we're grounded in who we are as Christ followers right right like i'm not sort of a christ follower like i am yeah. like truly a christ follower right in a very right. unique and specific way right. now that doesn't mean i hate people in the wor- other worlds religions that would mm-hmm. be that would be anti Christ. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so it's precisely it's precisely because I'm a Christ follower that I um, do not hate anybody. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So thinking about um, pastors, you uh, know, a lot of our listeners who are in uh, churches and ministries that. Uh, are living in a post-Christendom world, you know, where, yeah. as you said earlier, we're the ones in some ways that are marginalized. Um, we're not fully marginalized yet, I think, no. but yeah. um, but only uh, in
1: comparison to the 50s or that's something. That's right. That's yeah.
0: exactly right. In comparison. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, uh, But there is a lot of anxiety, I think. Yeah. Um, absolutely, and, and, and certainly since uh, COVID as well, which has sort of yeah. um, escalated the the trajectory of decline mm-hmm. and marginalization, yeah. perhaps. Um, I guess just in light of uh, in light of uh, your the thoughts in in your book and what Jesus intended, maybe what would Jesus say to us to encourage us today, or or what encouragement would you offer to to those mm-hmm. pastors who are really trying to be the people of God in their in their communities today?
1: Yeah, the first thing I would say is that fear is just a really bad master. It's an honest human emotion, as is anxiety. You know, nervousness, stress, whatever. Those are unavoidably uh, human emotions, but they're really bad masters. Mm, yeah. When we start acting, you know, sort of fundamentally out of fear, yeah. out of anxiety, out of nervousness and stress, that's almost always going to mm. have too much bad behavior in it. You know, for, for yeah. what we're looking for. So then, if you say, "Well, Todd," When you look at like just our news feed on any given day, there's so much badness in the world, mm-hmm. whether it's war or geopolitics or economics or migration or immigration, and that's without saying anything about US politics and election cycle coming up and mm-hmm. just on and on. I can hear somebody saying, Todd, you'd be kind of dumb if you weren't, you know, a little anxious about this right. or maybe a little fearful. <laughs> And on that level, I would say yes. And here's where I think then this important um, idea comes: yeah. that we are an eschatological people. Mm. We we are caught up with Jesus, the beginning of the end, and that everything God intended for humanity before He even said "Let there be light" is going to happen. And there's mm. this you know lovely Greek New Testament word "telos," mm-hmm. which is translated usually just end like end but, it, but but theologically it means fulfillment completion mm-hmm. that what god intended is going to happen and that's the true story we're living in that's what yeah. frames it doesn't make the hardships of humanity go away it doesn't make us dualists it doesn't mean we start living in denial no it means we precisely can face the harsh human realities because we know we are an eschatological people mm. and that god is healing the world In and through His people, and that as Revelation twenty two five says, where this is all going is for God's people Mm -hmm. to rule and reign with Him forever and ever Mm -hmm. in the renewed Mm -hmm. heaven Mm -hmm. and in the renewed earth. And so for me, that's where that's really evocative and imaginative story. Yeah, and it like gives me something to a bit of an antidote to my normal like everybody else is listening our normal fears and anxieties and like what the heck is going on in our world right yeah i mean i'm sure we all put our phone down or close our laptop every day or whatever and say (sighs) after reading the news like what the heck is this world coming to well the answer is it's not coming to what's happening in washington Mm dc what this world is coming to is being guided by the world's one true creator god and if we have that it doesn't mean we'll never fear again. It means we have a way to deal with our fear. Yeah,
0: yeah. I love it. I love it. So recognizing where we fit into this great story that we're, mm, we're all a part yeah. of maybe is one way of thinking it. Uh, thank you. That's great. Um, hey, you're very welcome. Yeah. Well, uh, Todd, thanks for this uh, great conversation. Um, and if people wanted to find out more about you and uh, your work, where where could they go?
1: Uh, for me personally, it would be toddhunter.org. Um, for my diocese, it would be c4so.org. That's C like cat, the numeral four, S like Sam, O like oscar.org. Um, for my center, the Center for Formation, Justice, and Peace, um, that's centerfjp.org. So right.
0: those would be the three best ways. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you. Um, Thank you, Marcus. Again, great conversation, great book, and I really appreciate you and uh, the work that you're doing. Uh, One of the things that I loved about this conversation with Todd Hunter uh, was the recognition that good religion is not limited to one particular form. In fact, good religion, and of course by that I mean the kind of faith and life that Jesus taught us to live, good religion is expressed in many different ways in many different contexts. Uh, And we are in a new context, aren't we? In fact, we might even say that the context keeps changing year after year. And so we are called to keep learning and exploring new ways of being the church that the world needs us to be. Now, helping you learn and explore for the sake of the world, that's what we want to help you do here at the Church Leadership Institute. And we have all kinds of resources to help you do just that. And we continue to provide resources to help you lead your people to be the church that they are called to be. And so if you'd like to stay up to date on all of the Church Leadership Institute's resources, simply sign up for the CLI newsletter at org/church. Uh, finally, if this episode was helpful to you, would you share it with somebody you know? And if you're listening to this on Apple or Spotify, we would be so grateful if you would give us a rating and a review. Uh, That helps make the podcast more findable for others. Well, thanks so much for being here, and I'll see you next time here on Spiritual Life and Leadership.